Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to the Adoption Chronicles. Today I'm honoured to talk with Nicole Rogers who is coming all the way from America and it's our very first video interview. So uh, welcome to the show Nicole. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Uh, now you've got a, a slightly different adoption story than the, I guess the, my regular guests who uh, adopted people, um, but I talk to uh, everybody who's uh, got an adoption story. What's your angle, or what's where's your adoption story start? Oh wow! Okay, so where my adoption story starts is in my first marriage. I remember saying I was open to adoption. It yep. was something that always came out of my mouth. Yep. Um, However, I had a vision that uh, my family would occur through natural birth. Yes. I also had a vision that my family would occur in my first marriage. Okay. So I was, I was wrong on two counts. <laughs> I was wrong on two counts. And so what happened for me in my first career was uh, I was a professional performer. And I was at New in New York City, and my dream was to be on Broadway. And so what happened was I kept putting creating a family off mm -hmm. because I wasn't achieving my dream. Right. And as I came into my 30s, I was starting to feel the tension and feel the pull. And I was very frustrated in my career. I had hit a ceiling. I pretty much done everything but Broadway. I was New York City Rockette. I had done commercials and national tours and everything. I mean, it was, it was just turning into this craziness. And I was finding that I had this really loud inner critic that when I needed to go in and just nail it and like book the show, with the exception of two Broadway shows that closed before I would have joined them, in most cases, I would choke. Right. I was doubting myself. So I was at this just kind of like ceiling in my career. And on my 36th birthday, I said, that's it. I can't wait any longer. And I'm going to get off the pill. And my first husband and I were like, okay, we're going to start trying. Yep. Except it wasn't working. And there was this... Um, growing tension and panic that was happening inside me. And I noticed that my first husband, anytime that we would start talking about having a family, it was always about how much things would change, but not in a good way. Like it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait until we have our child and all this. It was like stress upon stress upon stress. And so I was stressed because I wasn't getting pregnant. I was also stressed because I'm listening to him going, 
wow, I don't, we don't seem to be on the same page. And then what happened, um, and I, and I I started doing, you know, acupuncture and all these things. And I really started to go into the headspace Uh of something's wrong with me. Right. Something's wrong with me that I can't get pregnant. And at this point I didn't really have appreciation for how much our emotional life impacts Absolutely. our biological yeah. life. Like yeah. I didn't, I just didn't have an appreciation for it. Yeah. And so a year and a half later after trying, then my first husband came to me and said he didn't want to be married anymore. Right. And he dropped the big bomb with me that he didn't want to be a father. Wow. That's a double blow. So it was a big blow. Yeah. Um, and it set in motion what I call a 13, which is basically a divine storm that is like an opportunity to create the life you love. I wrote yeah. about this in my, my book, 13, but it set in motion this whole thing. And in, in losing my marriage, and I was 37 at the time, so you can imagine I'm now really like, yeah. oh, crap, yeah. you know, um, it really focused me in on I want a family. And I was very clear. It wasn't that I wanted to be a single mom. It wasn't that um, I I wanted a family. I wanted to create a family. And so for me, that meant one, healing from my divorce. (laughs) And two, finding a partner that was on the same page. And so that really meant understanding how I came to this part and what would it take for me to attract a partner who was on the same page as me, yep. as opposed to just attracting, you know, ex-husband number yeah, two, yeah, absolutely. you know, another version of that, which this commonly happens in yeah. divorce when there hasn't been enough time to understand what actually occurred here, yep. you know? So, um, I did take that time and I, <laughs> started dating for like the first time in my life at 38. I got into therapy. I I found Zen. I finally found some tools for my mind and that loud inner critic. And I completely changed what I was doing. I decided to become a coach and teach about this massive transformation I had been through. And um, after three and a half years of dating, I met this amazing man who it was the last first date of my life and it was the best first date. And I knew something was different because I felt relaxed around him. Nice. I wasn't, yeah. you know, trying to change him or want him to be something different, which was a lot of what happened with my first marriage. And we came to each other later in life. You know, I was in my early forties. He was in his late forties. And when you date at that age, you are very, clear and focused. (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) And so we both came to each other like, we want a family, you know, and here we are in these later years. And so we, we went into it, um, with trying naturally first and then that wasn't happening. And then we went into IVF and I, because I had frozen my eggs after my divorce and, um, the IVF failed. And so then we went back to trying naturally again, and I got pregnant, which was like this amazing miracle. I was pregnant um, a month before my 45th birthday, and I just thought for everything I've been through, this is it, you know, like, oh, wow. Um, And then um, uh, 11 weeks in, I had a miscarriage. So we went back to trying again, because believe it or not, there's actually this fertility window after miscarriage. It's such a weird thing to think of it that way, but it was impossible because my heart was broken. Yeah, of course. You know, so it's, again, like the inner landscape was like, oh no, 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 no. I needed to grieve, you know? And so I came, I came out of that and, um, and said, okay, it's time to take the next step because I was very clear that other options were not an option for me. Yep. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to go the route of surrogacy. And so it was like either natural or adoption and natural wasn't happening. Yeah. 
and I wasn't getting any younger. And so we entered into the process of adoption. And thankfully, I had several close friends that had adopted. And yep. so I was on the phone with them and they were really helping me to enter into the world because holy moly, it is, it's like the wild, wild west. At I least I'll say that imagine. in America. Yeah. It's I'm- like the wild west in America. I don't know how it is for you in Australia, but it's a, it's crazy here. And so I was really grateful for all of the guidance. And um, we, within seven weeks of going active, like wow. saying, okay, we're look at situations and we're out there. We were matched. Right. So we were matched with the birth mother. I know. And we're like, this is amazing. Yeah, right. So is it, and, and is so, it government controlled in America or is it is it business involvement? Or how does that process it's work? State, each state has their own guidelines. Right. So at the state level, then there are rules and laws. Right. There aren't federal laws around it. So it becomes very tricky if you are going to adopt out of state because you have to know what not all states get along. Yeah. And not all states are adoption friendly. Some states are very adoption friendly. The the process is easy and some are not. And it requires an enormous amount of hoops and red tape and like all kinds of things. So that's why it's so tricky because if the state that you're in doesn't have a lot of options and you go out of state, then you've got to understand what that state's rules are. So we, we were matched with this birth mother and it was a long match because we matched with her right at the beginning of her second trimester. So it was going to be a six month match. Wow. Yep. And it was a, yeah, and it was um, a little boy. And so we, you know, dived in and we were like, here we go. And we started the registry and we started setting up the nursery. And then a month before he was born, the birth mother changed her mind. Oh, no. So at this point, I've now endured, you know, failed IVF, infertility, um, failed adoption, miscarriage. And it was, it was such a blow. Yeah. And I will say that for me, it just came to my only option is to surrender because I had such faith that we would create a family. Yep. I just clearly had zero control on the timeline. I kept trying to control it and it wasn't working. So I just placed all of my faith on our child is our child. And I don't understand why this happened. It's broken my heart, but I will understand. I will understand yeah. when I hold our child, I will understand. Um, and, and so the, the disruption happened um, end of July of last year, 2022. And we went back in and, um, and we were just getting no's. We were getting no's and no's. And it was just like, what is going on? It was such a challenging time yeah. because we thought we would match again quickly and we didn't. And then in January of this year, so does the birth the mother need to see your profile and match? How does the matching work? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we were going through an agency. And the way that it works um, with this agency, thankfully, they only show a limited number of profiles to the birth mother. Um, Some agencies have very questionable uh, policies. Yeah. And they will have, I mean, we we experience with one lawyer over 100 profiles to one birth mother. Wow. Uh, and he was charging per application. So, oh, yeah, okay. You know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, this agency was highly legitimate and um, they were only showing birth mothers, I think, six or seven profiles. That's it. Yeah. Now, if the birth mother looked through those profiles and she's like, I'm not feeling any of these families, then they would give another, you know, they would send like another six or seven. Yeah. But at one time, they're not going to overwhelm the birth, no. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what happened um, with the birth mother that we matched with uh, was 
we were one of probably six or seven and she resonated with us, but ultimately it was, it was not the right decision for her. And so she yeah. honored that in herself yeah. and decided that she wanted to, she wanted to parent. Right. And that's, and that seems to be common around the world as well. Um, I know in my story, which is uh, from the adopted child story that the birth mother can change her mind up to 30 days after the babies with the new parents. And, you know, I think um, my mum said that for that first month, there was a paranoia that it could all be over any moment. And, you know, that's, that's, uh, you've got to respect the birth mother's right too, because they've, you know, made a massive decision. Um, And the whole, the whole adoption triangle is such an emotional, uh, it has such an emotional impact on our lives that it's, I don't think, unless you're within the triangle, you have any idea or grasp of how big an impact it can have. Yeah. I was so grateful for the professionals that came into my life um, that, and, and my friends, the other adoptive parents that were like, check out this podcast, check yeah. out this blog, because when, I mean, I dived in with all kinds of research, but when we got matched, I went into like hyperdrive, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like yeah. educating myself. Absolutely. And one of the things that was most helpful was listening to adoptee panels. Yes. Like I wanted to hear from adoptees. What, what do you need? What's yeah. important to you within the home that you're going to grow up in? What are you looking for? from your adoptive parents and um, the the triad thankfully is something that was like top on the list of education for my husband and I and to understand how important and how sacred that is and so as we you know when we were first interacting with um, the first birth mother and then with um, the second birth mother birth mother of our daughter uh, to respect that and mm. to understand how important it is. Yeah, absolutely. And every situation, every person is unique because we it's it's almost impossible to say that this scenario will work because as we're all individuals and every situation is unique, every step along the way has to be tailored to our individual personality types and where the situation is in our lives, it's, um, I guess, like um, birth parenting as well. You're parenting, yeah. you know. It's yeah. uh, every day is new and a new challenge. I feel like, you know, it's so interesting <laughs> People who may not have as much education around adoption, you know, would would be saying to my husband and I, oh, she looks just like you. Mm. And it was just always a bit of a like disconnect, you know, for us or like, because we know like it it feels out of respect for the triangle, like you said, for the triad, because our daughter looks like the spitting image of her birth mom. I mean, holy moly, she looks so much like her. and so, you know, I, I can recognize that there is, oh, well, it comes out of, they think, well, this is helpful, but it's like, no, no I, but I don't need that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so much more about an energetic connection. Yeah. Like, I know that she's my daughter. Yeah. I mean, when I held her the very first time, there was just absolute clarity why I had this 11-year journey because she's my daughter. Yeah. And and it's as simple as that. Um, my mum and dad are my mum and dad. That's it. You know? Yeah. There's, like, I've met my birth mother. So things are a little bit different here. Like, there's no connection between a birth mother and the adoptive parents before. Um, it's nearly like, well, my understanding back in the 70s when I was adopted was that you, the birth mother makes a decision and then you go into a register and then after the baby's um, 
essentially taken away from the birth mother, then the adoptive parents come in and uh, collect and they're, they're presented with the child. And there's no meeting between the parents or anything like that. Wow. And then, like, I've always considered my mum and dad, my mum and dad, and my birth mother is my birth mother and my birth father is my birth father. And, but the title of mum and dad is earned. I'm, that's just me, mm. you know, and that's who they yeah. are. You know, mm. I think that's. That's so beautiful. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's, it's, um, and when the people we talk to, like in a barbecue situation or at a party or something like that, and we get the, oh, you look like your mum or you look like your dad, they may not know because we are similar and it's just an automatic compliment that comes out just because, you know, conversation needs to happen. And But then, yeah, you just go, huh, okay, thanks. Yeah. Thanks, I appreciate it. Um, hmm. But you just know, you know, there's a, it's, it's an interesting it's an interesting little dynamic, and we have a little, we have a little chuckle uh, every now and again about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. So, how old's your daughter now? So she is going to be ten months tomorrow. Nice. So, and she is absolutely thriving. It's just, it's just incredible to. Um, see her, like, see what has been consistent literally since day one. Yep. You know, like to be like, oh yeah, no, this is, this is just her. Yeah. And to see also what's emerging. Um, but it's, she is, she is just thriving and she really, you know, for my husband and I, she really is our miracle child, something yeah. that we've waited our lifetimes for. And, uh, I just, every day, I just kind of have this moment of, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, wow, like here I am with her and it's just so sweet and profound and like anything that you wait a very long time for, anything that is the deepest desire of your heart um, and, and something that I have held for so many years. Yeah you know, to, to be now in a position of raising her and this, this part of me that has wanted to be expressed fully, you know, the, the mother, like the mother is now just out and, and fully expressed every day. And it feels, it feels fantastic. Excellent. Uh, it's, um, it's a, it's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful story. I, I uh, can see the joy, um, which is uh, which is new for me because I'm normally uh, only speaking out to my guests uh, over audio. Um, so the, the video, you can I can see the emotion, which is absolutely brilliant. Um, oh. And um, so I guess the uh, when we're parents, we have all these plans that um, will change. They can change daily. Um, and I guess the, the questions that you would get, um, is she sleeping well? Is she, um, yeah. <laughs> I hope she's sleeping well. <laughs> yes, she is sleeping very well. <laughs> nice. And that's always a joy too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's teething. Yep. So, yeah, you know, um, it, it kind of goes in and out. She's got seven teeth right now. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, nice. They're kind of they're kind of all coming in and um and and uh, she rosy she, cheeks. She, she's in and out. Yes, rosy cheeks. Exactly yeah. from the teething. Um, but in and out. But I I'd say overall she is sleeping very well. Yeah, nice. very settled. Yeah, very good. So, do you have plans to add to your family later on, or um, have you got any plans that way at all? Oh, yeah. So my vision has always been uh, two. It's always been two. So um, I, 
I, I hold that and I'm, you know, in a space of um, definitely waiting another year before yeah. we would enter back, back in yeah. the, um, the circus, the circus that is uh, adoption. But yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because I, I have this beautiful work of art that I've got up in my bedroom that has been like a, an inspiration to me. I, I look at it and it's a, a painting of a family. Uh, the husband, the wife, um, a boy and a girl, and they're all in this beautiful loving embrace. And so when I was going through all of my really difficult times, then I would always look at this and be like, there's my vision, there's my vision. And, uh, you know, at first I thought that we were going to be bringing a boy home you know, yep. and it was a big joke between my husband and I. I was like, oh, did you manifest this? Because I, I wanted a girl first. But then when it switched, my husband was like, no, no, I think your manifestation was much stronger. <laughs> but when we brought her home, I really saw my son come to me and say, do you still want me? Right. You know, it's like yep. an interesting question because I, I have spoken with other adoptive parents um, that might have had a different vision, but then when they adopt, they just decided, you know what, we're we're one and done. This yep. is an amazing experience. And we've actually decided now that we're in the experience of parenthood that we really just want to parent one child. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I I would of course wouldn't know until I'm in the experience how I would feel. Um, but I'm in it going, oh, I and I, I said to my son, I was like, Yes, I do. I do. So yeah, down down the road, I, I definitely see that. And it's funny because I, I I will commonly say to my daughter, I was like, do you want a baby brother or a baby sister? Because she's going to be a part of this manifestation too. But yes. um, I don't know, like in my heart, I'm like, no, I, I really, I'd love to have a boy, which is a bit of a crazy thing because as adoptive parents, you really don't want to go into the process of adoption being gender specific. Yeah. Yeah. You re you really want to go in and be like, we have opened our homes and we are ready to welcome our child. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the better way of going in. So yeah. um I I don't know, but I will say that in my heart of hearts, I would really love to welcome a little boy so that um I can experience all of it, yeah. you know, all of the joys. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's a really good way to put it. Uh and I think that you're right on track in not that that means anything, but being open to any possibility is exactly the same as a normal, not, well, normal's a wrong word as well, but, yeah, you know, there's no right term. Um, I don't know even the right terms to say, and I mean it, um, but... I've got the experience of being adopted and I've also got the experience of having children. And so the second child, ah. um, like we didn't want to know when we when my wife was pregnant and eat both types. We said, no, we don't want to know. We just want to, you know. And obviously as a dad, I'm thinking one way or the other. Like, And <laughs> both times it was really funny because our first child is our son. And when my wife was pregnant, I knew, I just knew that he was going to come out as a boy. And being, you know, I'm a sporty type, blokey bloke male, I'm thinking if I get two boys, I can play sport with them and we can do all this and we can do that. And, like, I'm assuming my daughter may, may watch this as well. And I knew in my heart that when my wife was pregnant with our second child, it was she was going to be a girl. And I knew, no. but I just knew in my heart she was going to be a girl. So we can always hope and pray and we can do this and do that, but then the universe has a way of giving us what we need more so than what we want. And yeah. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, I've got one of each. Um, there's another way to put it. I've got the, uh, the, the, the pigeon pair, so to speak, and... Um, <laughs> But if two boys happened, then two boys happened. If two girls happened, two girls happened. And they, the, the love that we have for them doesn't diminish. 
It doesn't yeah. dilute. That's a that's a thing with love is that uh, there's more to go around. And because another one comes in, number one child doesn't lose any of it to give to the second one. It just grows. And that's that's what happens with our families. So, yeah, all, I think that... Uh, That'll be that'll be a wonderful story, and we'll, we'll have to uh, catch up once it all unfolds and to, to update. That'll be really cool. Yeah, you know, and I I know that when I do enter back into the arena, I will enter in with my faith and my trust, just like really strong to yeah. be like, okay, here's what I'm putting out, universe. I'm yeah. putting out. I would love a boy, but trusting that that second child is our child. Yeah. You know, that second child is our child. So I, I really have felt like it's just been an opening of our homes and also an opening to, this is what was really always meant to be. Yeah. And, and I can only say that now because I'm on the other side, Yeah, you know, because now, now we have our daughter, but I mean, it was amazing because we had a stork drop situation. So do you have the same thing in Australia, a stork drop? I do don't use that know term? what that means. So what it means over here is uh, the birth mother has not, she didn't have a plan. Ah. So she has gone into the hospital and in the hospital, she then makes the decisions that she wants to put the child up for adoption. Right. It happens very quickly. Okay. And so then it's a bit of a like scramble for the lawyer or for the agency that is then uh, called in to help uh, handle that. Right. And, uh, and so that's what happened with this. And it was such a, the way that it happened, this is why I knew this was our child because it was literally this cuckoo how the heck were we the parents that were called? It was one of those things, you know, it was like somebody played telephone and we were the 10th down the line, but we were who were called. Right. You know, it was like yeah. a, this person to this person, talking to this person, talking to this person. And, and so it was just like, what? You've got to be kidding me. And so with a stork drop, we have to then say yes right away. And we have to either get on a plane or drive a car. Basically, like we have to get there wow. right away. Okay. Like before the birth mother leaves the hospital. Wow. So for us, we had to, I mean, we had been waiting for this phone call, yeah. you know, um, but it was just such an amazing moment because after the experience we'd had prior, we were very gun shy about going into a long relationship with a birth mother. Yeah. You know, it's like we, we would get situations and they would be coming into the beginning of their, their second trimester. And my husband and I were just like, you know, we didn't want to put ourselves in that situation yeah. again. So here we get a stork drop where it's like, yes or no, you know, you don't have to wait yeah. and be freaking out about it. It's like a yes now. And yeah. so, you know, my husband and I were just like, absolutely. But we literally had to pack up our car and drive through the night miles and miles and miles and miles to end up at the hospital the next morning to be able to meet the birth mother first. Right. You know, we had already spoken with her. Um, but you know, we need, we needed to, she needed to meet us yeah. to, to give the final, like, okay, like this is okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and then to hold our daughter. So it was just, it was such a whirlwind and it was exactly right yeah, yeah. for where we were because of what we had been through. Yeah. You know, we didn't have to go through the ringer and, and waiting all those months and will she, won't she, yeah. and you know, well, I guess what do we do? Yeah, I think I just mentally put myself into the picture of being with a birth mother for such a long period of time beforehand. And from your perspective, it would be like, how do you get the balance right between being a little bit of like standoffish or being too much? Like that balance would be impossible to get because you want to be perfect. You want to get that balance right. You don't want to be too over the top and say, yes, well, look, we're really, really desperate and, and, and all this. Or the opposite to that, where you're like, oh, yeah, you know, just whenever, right? Just let's have your kid. 
it would be impossible to get that balance right and help the birth mother become comfortable to say, yes, these people are going to be perfect for my child to, to, to raise because this the scenario that you've just said, the stalk drop, to me that's a, nearly a perfect scenario where you just go, it, your decision is now or never. Bang, done. Yes, let's do it. And then you've got this awesome adventure where you've <laughs> just had to pack up everything and then you're off. You're on a road trip. And then it's like that that in itself makes for such an emotional story that it it's almost like the perfect storm almost, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what really came home for my husband and I and and just made it more like, oh, this was our arrival. Yeah. This where we have been working towards this moment. Um, you know, I, my book that I wrote 13, one woman's sacred journey to discovering her greatest power is about that year when I lost everything with that first marriage Yep. and how it was, it was a divine storm and basically everything that I knew of my life burned to ash. But what happened was from that smoke, from that ash, I started to hear what I call the quiet voice of 13. Right. which was the voice of my desire. It was the voice of my dream, which it was to have a very different life than the one I was having, you know, a life of fulfillment and a family. Yeah. And so when I, you know, following that voice helped me rebuild my life and find love again after divorce, you know, this is what I speak about a lot in the book, but I have to say that the experience of my 13 thank goodness for it because that was what allowed me to make my way through this journey to my family. Mm. You know, it's part of it, but it's also what I learned as far as resiliency, what I learned as far as um, like my, my strength, my inner strength and my faith saw me through failed IVF and miscarriage and uh, a, a disruption to bring me to holding my daughter. So, you know, it's, it's, it's such a, it's been such an interesting year. I have to tell you um, with basically having two babies at once, Yeah. you know, my daughter and my book, but really taking in the synchronicity and 10 years apart, 2013, 2023, like there's no accident here. And I, I love that this month I've had the, the pleasure and the honor to write articles around adoption awareness, um, month to be here with you and to have these conversations because it's all tied in. You know, I had my my book signing um, last week, which was so wonderful. And right in the front row was an adoptive dad. Nice. And you know, I shared with them my story about why why it took so long for me to release this book because we had been going through this crazy yeah, journey, absolutely. you know, around adoption. And there he is sharing his story. And I'm like, I, I love that. So when you talk about that, you know, divine storm, it, it has such a, a beautiful application across the board. But I think especially for anyone that's listening right now as uh, an, an adoptive parent, whether they are, you know, just entering in there, there it's applicable. It's highly applicable because it does take an enormous amount of inner strength and faith and trust mm. and, and to, to navigate, to navigate <laughs> the world of adoption Yeah, because of all these things we're talking about, right? The complexities, yeah, the complexities and the, and the importance. And it's, we're not talking about small things. We're talking about family we're talking yeah. about raising children we're talking about like parenthood these are <laughs> some of the largest things of our lives yeah so. I, I think um one of the, i think just i've spoken to so many adoptive adopted uh people and uh one of the threads that run through their lives as i hear their stories i've spoken to 60, 70, 80-year-old people, 50-year-old uh, people who 
um, have found out they were adopted when they were very young, and I've spoken to uh, someone that found out they were adopted when they were 60, 65. Like, yeah, um, and one thing that has popped up recently is DNA, um, where they do a search on their biological history. Um, and because they've got this trauma around why were they adopted? Why were why was I cast aside? Um, and I think with a loving home, that trauma is uh, reduced uh, significantly. Um, and have you? Um, I, know, I know it's very very early days. Your daughter's only ten months old. Um, have you thought about um, how you're going to broach the subject with her when she's a little bit older? We're already saying it. I mean, this was the um, invitation that was given to us by all the professionals. So, I mean, I have told her her birth story. Yep. We have these wonderful um, books. Uh, I'm, I can't, I don't have the um, author in front of me. Oh, I think it's Nancy Carlson. And the book is called Families Are Forever. Yep. Oh, my goodness. So the social worker that we worked with, she was like, you got to get this. She's like, warning, you're going to cry. Yeah. I cry every time I read it to my daughter. But what is so amazing is she goes for it. Like, there's other books she could go for, but she really goes for this book. Yeah, right. And she lets me read the whole book. Other books, you know, she'll be like, whatever, after a couple pages. Yeah. But this book, she always wants me to read all the way through. And a lot of times I'll read it a second time. And so there's just this like inner knowing. And I really felt like uh, there were moments earlier, like in the early, early days where what we were experiencing was the processing of the trauma and the separation, you know? Um, And so thankfully we have been educated around being trauma informed parents. You know, it was very important. And, and, I'm a coach, so this is something that I take very yeah. seriously. Yep. You know, holding space for anybody, so it's something that I'm I'm well educated in. But it, the the answer is we've been doing it since day one. Yeah. And so we will continue to do it. You know, reading the books and sharing sharing the birth story, and thankfully we are in contact with the birth mother. Yeah. So it'll, it'll be, you know, we'll put together a life book and we will be sharing things. And when I get updates from her birth mom, I will share them with her. So it's already happening. And I think that really helped me, you know, as opposed to like, oh, well at this time to be like, no, no, just start, just start. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Um, I, from, from my perspective, um, I knew very early, so I was very lucky, and I grew up in a loving household. So my particular trauma is uh, minimal, I think. Um, that's just the way I feel. But mm-hmm. I still had the odd, what would happen if I was living this other life? Yeah. And because yeah. I didn't know, that thought would continue. And then... You know, kids get into trouble, parents discipline their children, you get sent to bed early and all that kind of stuff. And then you're like, well, well my other mum wouldn't have done that. Or because I was born in uh, Manly Hospital, which is on the beach in Sydney, and it's quite a hoity-toity suburb, I had this vision that my birth parents or my birth mother was... Uh, you know, they lived on the um, beach on a mansion and, you know, all this. That was yeah. not the case. But yeah. having having some information about my birth mother when I was a kid would have helped big time. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it was something, and I mean, you and everyone that listens to this know this. It's like so vital to have those aspects for your identity, you know, anything, um, anything that you can know about the birth parents, because it just helps form that. So, um, I, this is why the, the triad is so vital because then we can be providing that for our daughter, you know, 
oh, your mom likes this, uh, your, your birth mom likes this, you know, to just place that in so that she can be forming her, her relationship yeah. with her birth mom and, and her vision and image and, and whatever she needs to do for herself. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, if you had the chance to either go back in time and give yourself some advice or if you would like to give some advice to um, parents in your situation, what type of advice would you give? Yeah, I would, I would say trust the timing. Trust the timing and whatever is coming up in the waiting period. Because this is this is the hardest part of being an adoptive parent is the waiting period. Yep. You know, especially if you've experienced a disruption. And I don't know what your statistics are in Australia, but in America, they're high, like 25%, like one in four disrupt. Yeah. So it's, yeah, wow, right? So very common. But it's whatever arises in the waiting, your fears um the thoughts the beliefs are coming up to be healed so there was a lot that arose like i think about back to again my divorce and the time in between from the divorce happened until i met my now husband you know it was four and a half years and there was an enormous amount of things that came up yeah. in this waiting time yeah. that needed to be healed in order for me to be in that kind of partnership and to really be the wife that I wanted to be, which was very different than who I was being in my first relationship. Right. And so it was a very similar journey, like this journey to being a mom. Um, I had very deep desires about the type of mom I wanted to be and how I wanted to raise her. And I needed to, I, I needed to make my way through my own sort of ancestry, my own conditioning, things that had been passed down that had been subconscious. And now we're like coming blaring to the surface. And I'm going, I don't want to pass that on to my child. Mm. So in that waiting period, it gave me an opportunity for those things to arise and for me to address them so that when I held my daughter, there was just presence and I could feel a confidence that now was the right time. Yep. So I, I, if I can offer anything, that's what it is. And I know how hard it is. It is so difficult, but you know, whatever your practices are that allow you to just keep coming back within the support around you of a, another, a, other adoptive parents, you know, that know, right? Surround yourself with the people that get you and they get the challenges. So you're not having to explain yeah. <laughs> yourself. Instead, you're just being supported. But just to, to pay attention to what arises and how can you bring love to that? Oh, brilliant. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Having the perspective of an adoptive parent is so important because a lot of adoptive, like my audience, I would say is 85 to 90% adoptive, adopted people. And so I get a lot of perspective of their perspective on, on their journey and how they're going through their life. And we talk about birth mothers a lot and, you know, what happened and why did they give us up and all this stuff. But I think the triad, the triangle is so important because the, the adoptive parent's perspective, I think, is sometimes forgotten in the whole big mix of our major adoption story. And it's we're quite insular in this community. The people outside or who are, are not adopted or haven't got adoption in their family don't understand what we all go through. And I yeah. really don't want to have our adoptive parents missing out on their story. So your story is so important to, to everybody's understanding of adoption. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been wonderful to speak with you. And uh, I'll 
We sh- and on behalf of all of the adopted children that are watching and listening, we wish you all the very, very best uh, for raising your daughter and, uh, and, and number two, when number two comes around. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of your thoughtful questions and for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. No worries. Thank you, Nicole. All the best. Now I push this button. And this is my music. I love it. And this is the Adoption Chronicles. And today we spoke with Nicole Rogers all the way from America and her story uh, from the perspective of an adoptive mum. And we wish Nicole all the very best. And until next time, it's uh, bye from me and bye from Nicole. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.